So no guest trader this week. So I'll just go straight into price action. And here is a chart of Bitcoin. And Bitcoin remains in that um, horizontal channel. It has been in for a long time. But compared to last week, this week was more, this week was more eventful. Yeah, that's the right word more eventful week i'm just going to set up my trading view uh, tools so i don't have to keep searching for the tools i'm looking for so i need an arrow i need a flat bottom channel i need a where is fibonacci fibonacci um, I need a brush and I don't need that. Text and okay. Wave patterns, A, B, C, D, E, A, B, C. No, I don't need this, I need that. Okay, that's it, I think I'm set. Right, so Bitcoin is in this channel. Nothing has changed apart from the fact that if if I take this, okay, I'm gonna zoom in now. If I zoom in and I look at this very narrow range here, this very narrow range, which is a channel within a channel, then Bitcoin has broken out of that smaller channel. So that's far better than what it did last week. And this candle here was, was a 2% candle, that's 1%. And three days, two days ago, just about 1%. So that's better than what it has been doing in the past. So that could be a sign of things to come. I put out a post on eToro about Ethereum. So while waiting for Bitcoin, Ethereum is tradable right now. Ethereum has broken out already. So Ethereum was in this channel too, very similar to Bitcoin, but it's kind of leading Bitcoin now. The, the, the charts are very similar. So you have this sell-off, then you have this consolidation here, breakout, and then the channel. Same thing, sell-off, consolidated into an ascending triangle, broke out into this channel, and on the 22nd of July, Ethereum broke out. So this could be an indication of what Bitcoin might be doing next. Maybe Bitcoin is going to break out of this big channel. If that's what it's going to do, now is a good time to jump into Bitcoin. I have a small position here. I bought an even smaller position in Ethereum. So this is a nice looking breakout. So this is the breakout, this candle, breakout, confirmation on the 23rd, and it looks like the uptrend is for real. I'm not sure what the fundamentals behind this move is, but 
it's easier to trade from the from the chart and price. The US dollar has been on a consistent downtrend. So this is one, two, three, four, five, six consecutive red candles. So that's the breakdown of this channel. I was actually thinking there will be a bounce here to retest this trend line or the 200 day moving average, but that clearly did not happen. So this could be, I don't want to dabble into fundamentals, but this could be as a result of all that money printing that is you know, creating an oversupply of dollars, even though some, some smart people say there is a shortage of dollars. But the chart is not reflecting a shortage of dollars. This is reflecting an oversupply, a devaluation of the dollar. So initially, I was looking at this trend line, this yellow one, for support. And then that broke down. And I was looking at this, um, this color is pink. This pink line here, which is at 95.05 of the US dollar index. So that is the swing low from March 2020. Okay. And this is the, the zoomed out view of the US dollar. So if I extend this line, no, wrong tool. If I grab this point, extend it, and drag this up. So that is like, that's the support extending all the way to 2019 January. So this support was initially resistance here on the 28th of May, 2018, and then it was broken. And then it became support, didn't last long, became support again 17th October, 2018. And on January 19, 2019, and 31st of January, and March 2020. So that support failed. So big, uh, this US dollar has broken a long-term support. That's a major development that could, who knows, maybe since this strong support is broken, maybe it's going to be free fall for the US dollar. That would be terrible. That would make commodities cheaper. And that is good for gold. That's good for gold. Yeah. According to Peter Schiff, the value of gold is not increasing. It's just the value of the dollar that is, you know, depreciating. So US dollar could be in a free fall because it has broken down from the most important support it has. I'm going to delete these arrows 
and move on to crude oil. Crude oil tried to break out. Yeah, it tried on 21st of July. Yeah, it actually broke out. And then confirmation on the 22nd, but it was sold on the 23rd. It was sold down to the trend line. And right now, price is just sitting above that trend line at $41, $41. And if I look at the futures market, open interest looks like it is about to start recovering. Yeah, but the overall trend is down. So maybe this is a sign that buyers and sellers are coming into the market. Time will tell. And looking at the um, the inventory, I think that should be Wednesday. Yes. EIA weekly crude stockpile. So there was a build, 4.8 million barrels. That's not um, good for, for bulls. In an ideal scenario, you want to see a draw, a reduction in the amount of inventories. So maybe that's what's affecting crude oil. Okay, next one, gold. Gold is a rock star right now. This is the weekly chart of gold. I always like coming to this weekly chart because it shows me this cup and handle, cup and handle, because I remember when price was at this level. <laughs> I lost a lot of money here trying to catch the bottom, so I can never forget. So cop and handle, breakout, bull flag, breakout, coronavirus pandemic sell-off, and then recovered. And now look at this full body candle. That's strong momentum. Very strong momentum. I remember posting this on Itoro. This is a measured move up. So uptrend horizontal pause, and another uptrend. That's a very bullish pattern. And each of these uptrends have been a gap up. So that shows that there's so much um, momentum behind this move. So the breakout itself was a gap up. And then the confirmation was a gap up, gap up, gap up. And again on Friday, a gap up. Very, very good. Silver is doing the same. Silver. Yeah. Silver is even crazier. Look at those gaps. So silver has struggled on Friday and Thursday. So this could be... Maybe this is the top. $21. Maybe... We're going to see a pullback and then continuation. That will be an opportunity to, well, it's hard to call the top. If this is a top, it's too early to tell. If this is a top, take profit, 
pull back and then re-enter here, then it goes back up. So that's easier said than done. It's not easy to time these moves. But looking at this chart, apart from RSI that is in overbought conditions, there's really no other reason to sell this. I don't see any other reason. This is one small red candle. That's just one day. And before that day, there were one, two, three, four, five consecutive green candles. So the momentum is still there. Momentum is still there. And if I quickly check open interest, open interest is a bit flat or has been flat and is now trending upwards. So there are, there are traders in the market for gold. That's a good sign. So price is trending upwards, open interest is trending upwards. So that's confirmation of that uh, bullish uptrend. Okay. Um, next one, IWM, small caps. Well, still within this channel, small caps broke up above the 200 day moving average and now it's retesting that moving average. There's not much to say about small caps. QQQ, now this one is interesting. It seems there is some sort of uh, rotation of capital out of tech. One way to explain this is maybe those who, those who entered the market very early, maybe somewhere around here, are probably taking profit. Although fundamentals are terrible for, the most, uh, for most of the stocks in the NASDAQ, but for, the, for some stocks, fundamentals are actually good. So maybe there's a taking of profit here that is resulting in this pullback. And maybe it's a wider rotation of capital out of tech into other sectors. It's, it's not so easy to confirm that. But just looking at this, price has formed this channel here. And right now we are at the bottom of this channel. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a bounce next week and maybe a breakout to new all-time highs. If this support here does not hold, then I'll be looking for the pullback to get down here, which is the level for this previous support at, um, this is at 233, and this is the QQQ. So first support is 255, no, 252. We're actually there now. So if this fails, my next level is 232 for QQQ. And this is very important because 232 is pretty much where we were before the pandemic, this spot here. So on... 19th of February, 
this year, QQQ was at 236. So that's what I'm looking at. Bounce next week or fail and fall down to 236. And then from there, it can bounce again. If we collapse below 236, then hmm, there's something, uh, there's something more serious taking place. And I'll be a little bit worried. I'll be a little bit worried. Right now, I am just, I have added some small positions here. I'm expecting a bounce. If it doesn't come, I want to see price down here and then I can add a large position here. That's the way I'm looking at it. SPY. SPY is not so different from QQQ. So SPY managed to break out on the 20th. So broke out of this channel. The top of the channel is 323. So broke out. It wasn't a strong move. The breakout wasn't so strong. And then retested on 23rd and collapsed back into the channel. And that's a doji. Yeah, this candle, Friday's candle is a doji. So that's indecision. This could happen on Monday. If that doesn't happen, I wouldn't be surprised we move further down to this level. Now, why is this level important? That level is, if I just drag this chart to March 23rd. Yes, that level is just at the top of the value area. So that level is 314 for the SPY. And that's where most of the buying and selling is taking place, this price point. So this is very important. So that will act as support if price keeps falling. So first level to watch is 314. If 314 doesn't hold, then the bottom of the channel, 297. If 297 doesn't hold, then there's another channel here. I'll just try to pull that up. Um, where is it? I think it's this. Yeah, so this is another channel here. So if 297 does not hold, on C price, No, what am I doing? Drag this, hold on control, drag this. Yeah, that's it. So if 297 doesn't hold, 276. But that's very, very extreme. Something really bad must be going on for us, for price to fall from 320 down to 276. I don't see that happening. So when we get to 276, then 
we're below the Ichimoku cloud and that's bearish territory. So how, what percentage drop will that be? From here, 320, down here is about 14%. That's a huge drop. That's a huge drop. That's a major sell-off. But what I'm looking for is this point next week, 314, at a small position there. If that doesn't hold, then I'm looking at 297 at a major position here. If that doesn't hold, then I'll take a break and see what happens. Okay. So that is um, the SPY. Now within the SPY, I saw something interesting. I found this pattern in AMD and I posted on eToro about this pattern breaking out to the upside. I don't know what the fundamentals of AMD are, but some people who apparently follow AMD fundamentals, uh, this trader here is saying AMD's next server-based CPUs might hit Intel harder. So AMD and Intel are like competitors. So I guess there's something about their, about AMD's server-based CPUs that might uh, cause this pattern to break out to the upside. And then this other trader is saying, what did he say? AMD only has 10% of the budget that Intel has and its operating costs are much higher. So he's doubting that AMD can beat Intel. Well, interestingly, AMD broke out. So they both had earnings on the same day, 23rd of July. So this is a tale of two earnings reports. Now, if I draw this consolidation here, this channel for AMD. Yep. And for Intel, Draw it over here, somewhere around here. Look at that. Something good is happening at AMD. So AMD on Friday, 16% increase. Gapped up, good earnings, I guess, from what I can see. I didn't really listen to the earnings report or earnings call. But from what I can see here, shareholders and investors were happy with them. And Intel, or Intel, however you want to pronounce it, terrible earnings report. Intel is down, come on. Um, let me see. From here to here. 16%. So AMD gaps up 14%. In, 
Intel gaps down 16%. The two price action patterns are basically inverse of one another. And then I look at their fundamentals. So this is AMD. For that, I go over to Coifin, historical graph. This is AMD. And this is revenue, net income, and net income margin. So this red and green bars are the net income. Something was wrong with AMD between 2012 and 2017. Net income was negative. And then from 2018, I think they got something right. Revenue has been increasing, net income has been increasing. So probably they've got something right. Uh, what about price target? Average price target by analysts is $53, $53. And then after the good earnings report, AMD is now at $69. So analysts need to update their opinions on AMD because AMD looks like it's doing very well. Gross profit, well, downtrend and then from 2017 uptrend so this is this is the turning point for amd 2017 something happened here they got something right and it's been uptrend for revenue profit even their debt was increasing and then somewhere around that time began to decrease if you check the outperformance of AMD compared to the stock market or the SPY. It was flat between 2013 and 2016. And then AMD began to outperform the SPY and it has been outperforming consistently. So that's pretty important. They're getting everything right. Now compare that with Intel, I-N-T-C. Intel is a different story. Revenue is fantastic. Uptrend, almost constant, but there is a gentle uptrend in the, in the um, slope. Net income increase upon increase consistently for over 10 years. So everything is fine with this company. Um, what else? Price target. See, analysts had to revise their price target downwards. And now it has gapped down. Price target is at $59 and it has gapped down to $50. So the analysts might have to revise their price targets. And then check the gross profit. Profit is okay. 
consistent increase for 10 years. Check the debt. Debt is increasing. Check relative strength compared to the S&P. Terrible. There is a slight uptrend, but it's full of ups and downs. So right now, Intel is underperforming the S&P. So looks like these guys, no, not these guys. The first, the first trader who left a comment on my chart is correct. It looks like something about these AMD servers that is, um, that is helping the share price of AMD. Okay, market breadth. I want to look into the internals of the S&P. Right, this is the price chart of the S&P. You can see we have prices made a higher high. So from 321 to 326. But there is now this slight downtrend to 320. So that has formed, if I go back here, has formed a divergence. So this is, let me just draw this correctly. No, I'll just hide that instead of deleting it. Hide, okay, and hide this. And this, right. So price has formed a high high while RSI is forming a lower high. And that divergence is already confirmed. And that was on Thursday, because we have this candle trending downwards and another candle trending downwards. So divergence usually makes sense in hindsight, but this could be the start of some sort of downtrend if divergence is anything to go by. So that is important to watch. Now back to market breadth. Prices made a higher high, but the advanced decline line of large caps, that's the large cap stocks, large cap is about 10 billion and above market cap, has also made a higher high. So that's positive. But the advanced decline line for mid caps is, a, is just about um, flat. Okay, so that's neutral. And for small caps, it's a lower high. So large caps are still the stocks driving whatever, keeping basically, large caps are holding the S&P in its current position. Large caps alone. So if there's any um, sector rotation or capital flowing out of tech, it doesn't look like it's going to small caps it's more likely that it's flowing into mid caps. All right, percentage of stocks above their 200 day moving average in the S&P 500 is at 54. And it's been over 54, I think over a week now. As long as this number stays above 50%, the bias for the market is still bullish. 
And it's the same in NASDAQ, 53% of all the stocks on the NASDAQ exchange are above the 200 day moving average. It's a different story with the New York Stock Exchange, just 41%. There are more stocks in the New York Stock Exchange. So it shows that there is, there's very, there isn't full participation of all these stocks in this rally. That's why price has been stuck in this range. Where's that range? Um, not this, this one, yeah. That's why price has been stuck between 3.23 and 2.97. Very little participation. Most of this uptrend is due to large caps, these stocks, um, stocks like uh, Netflix, Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, Google. Those are the large caps that are holding this market. All right, new highs in the S&P 500 were just 10. So these are stocks that have formed a new 52-week high. No new 52-week lows. So that's a bit positive. Keeps me, um, keeps me believing in the bull market or makes me hold my positions. In the NASDAQ, the net, that's the difference between new highs and new lows is 14. So there are 14 new 52-week highs more than 52-week lows. New York Stock Exchange, 40. That's the difference. So overall, this is positive. That's telling me to hold my positions or get ready to add to my positions upon dips. I have to wait till next week to see how that goes. And this one here is showing discretionary against staples. As long as this remains flat, it means we're in a neutral environment. It's, ni it's neither defensive nor offensive. If discretionary outperforms staples, then we're in an offensive environment. If staples outperform discretionary, then we're in a defensive environment. So it's a bit neutral now, but it's been offensive for most of, uh, I'll say, well, between March and July, it's been mostly offensive. Okay, going to sector performance. These are the sectors. The best performing sector this week, can you believe that? Energy sector. <laughs> energy sector. It's not really like energy sector performed so well. It only increased, the change was just 2% this week. It's just that the market as a whole didn't really do much this week. Yeah, this is pretty much this week. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, from here, from this green candle, that's priced at um, 324 to this red candle. So nothing much really happened. This is this week here. If I switch to the weekly chart, 
it's a doji indecision yeah so price is at the top of this channel and now it needs to decide like are we going to break out or pull back so this is mostly showing the most improved sector so if i click into this <laughs> the best performing subsector is the coal subsector not even oil coal right i want to see which stock is the best performer peabody energy corporation 14 percent change this week i want to see what our chart looks like btu switch back to daily chart btu what does that look like whoa what is this Peabody Energy Corporation. Oh, that's a terrible looking chart. Terrible. This is pretty like, this is an uptrend from the IPO. IPO was in uh, April, 2017. Uptrend up until June, 2018. And <laughs> it's been downtrend ever since. And it's been flat at the bottom. Oh, this is crazy. So from an all-time high of $47 in June 2018, the price has crashed down to $3 today. And it's been within this pathetic range it's been within a $4 range for the best part of four months. It's almost looking like a penny stock now. And then it had two good days. It had uh, a good day on Friday, 10% up. And on Thursday, 8% up. So that pretty much shows why it has 14% change. So overall, it's not really a good week. Not the best of weeks. And relative rotation. I want to see how the different sectors have rotated. Well, since there wasn't much, um, there wasn't a good performance by the sectors, there wouldn't be much rotation. Right, so here I have all the sectors and vo is what's vo vo is mid cap vb is small cap vv is large cap so if i animate this hmm, and you can see tech stays within the leading quadrant for most of the past week Energy is within the improving quadrant, but it's now losing momentum. So this drop from this point here, down here, is a loss of momentum. It hasn't really lost relative strength. It's just momentum that it's losing. XLF is gaining momentum. I'd like to see what that looks like. 
XLF. It is gaining momentum and relative strength. Yes. So it has moved from the lagging quadrant up and it's moving northeast. So this is usually where to find sectors to invest in because their performance is improving and usually they should move, depending on what's, what's taking place in the sector, they should move from improving to leading. But sometimes they can roll over down back into lagging. One stock that has done, um, that has really improved in a very interesting way, not stock, one sector is material sector. I want to highlight that sector. Materials, XLB. Yeah, this is material sector. Okay, it's in the lagging quadrant. Goes down, loses momentum, gains momentum, and then gains relative strength. I'll look at that again. Drops into lagging, and then it gains momentum up, and then relative strength increases in this very strong uh, trend. You can see it's pretty much linear. So it moves from improving straight into leading. I'll watch that one more time. Lagging, improving, and now into leading. That's the right way to rotate. You want to rotate clockwise. Clockwise. Uh, I like looking at this. I'm going to look at large cap, small cap, and mid cap. I'm to see how they have rotated. It's very obvious. Large caps are the ones holding the market. So it makes sense for large cap to be in the leading quadrant. Mid caps are kind of neutral. Okay. So they've been pretty much flat, moving sideways. Okay. There has been an increase, but it hasn't really done much. Small caps are the ones that are suffering. So animate that's large cap pretty much constant there now that's interesting i'll do that again so while small caps and mid caps lose momentum and strength now then they gained momentum and strength and got back into the improving quadrant large caps have been pretty much unmoved so this is a very nice way to visualize what's really happening within the uh, U.S. stock market. So that's it for this week. I'll stop here.